Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown, and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me on the show today. We continue our series on property core skills, and we're working our way through those core skills now. And today is another content week, so it's just me today, and next week we'll have a panel discussion on the same topic. And this this week's theme is research and analysis. And um, in terms of research analysis, what I'm really talking about here is uh, is assessing an area for investment or development, um, assessing a property for rental or for sale, uh, or indeed for assessing um, suppliers and business partners who we might engage with um, in that local area with that particular property. So they're the three elements that we're going to cover off. I'm just going to go through some of the key points and uh, and obviously we'll have a further conversation about it with the panel next week. So let's start with the area first of all. So I think a lot of people when they talk about investing in property, they one of the very first questions is where should I invest? Um, and that that's one of the one of the most obvious things to consider of course. And I guess location is, uh, I mean, there's, there's no coincidence that location, location, location is uh, seen to be one of the most important considerations. Indeed it is. And you know, it's, it's sometimes difficult to pick a location, especially if we're you know, perhaps based in a certain place. So proximity to where we live or where we work or where we have existing connections is, obviously, is an obvious place to start. Now, if we find out that the rental performance or the ability to, to flip on a property in those areas is not quite as good as we'd hoped or the yields aren't quite as high as we hoped, then it might encourage us to look further afield. But it makes more sense really to try and invest close to home, somewhere where you can actually get out to the property if you need to, or at least be able to get out in a reasonable period of time. So where you live, uh, where you work, or where you have some existing connections. So that might be friends or family, for example. The second consideration is uh, investment fundamentals, as they're known. And that's, um, it's funny actually, because when we get into the panel discussion, when I asked about investment fundamentals, uh, one of the responses was about, you know, your metrics, your KPIs, your, your, your financial performance. But actually, there's something even more uh, foundational when I'm talking about investment fundamentals. It's what underpins an area, what makes it good for investment generally. And there's some key characteristics which uh, we should always look out for. And those are population and the local demographics, um, supply and demand of housing or rental property, transport uh, links, and um, transport links to get into town centre, transport links to get out of town as well. And of course, that also needs to be appropriate, appropriate transport links. So it's appropriate, obviously, to our occupant profile, let's just say that. But it could be a bus, it could be a cycle path, it could be a train, it could be a car, etc. You get the picture. The next thing is to look, look out for is inward investment. 
Inward investment can come in the form of uh, private or public um, money being invested into that local area. So it could be a, a town centre regeneration, it could be a transport infrastructure investment, which are both examples primarily of uh, public sector investment. But it could also be private sector investment in the form of new jobs going into an area, for example, or lots of new developments. And if you see a lot of cranes and that sort of thing, um, examples of inward investment into the local area. And then the next consideration would be industry and jobs. So people need, you know, to have uh, an income. And that usually boils down to having a job. When I've talked about industry as well, so it's it's important to look at industry. Um, how diverse is the local economy? Uh, is there a concentration of employers, for example? Is the industry or the you know, the industries, the top industries in the location, are they in decline or are they actually are they growing? Uh, are there opportunities actually for jobs in the future? So these are the considerations that you might have there. And the final one in this category of fundamentals is uh, is education. And so I, I have a mnemonic, I call it um, the STAR mnemonic, and, and the S in STAR stands for schools, but really we're talking about educational establishments. So there could be nurseries and creches if you're talking about renting to, say, preschool children. Uh, it could be obviously um, good quality primary and secondary schools, so the league tables comes into play there. Then you've got sort of tertiary education like colleges of further education and universities, of course, um, for po you know uh, post-secondary education that comes into, into play. And then, of course, you've got the opposite to that. So imagine that you're renting to singles or to uh, uh, young, young couples. Maybe, you know, the academic or educational elements are not quite so important. In fact, they may be one to avoid certain areas altogether. So they're, they're the key uh, fundamentals, really, to look at. And don't forget to look at the trends either. Uh, are these things trending up, down, or are they flat? So we take population, for example. There could be a reasonable size area, but if the if the population is trending down and maybe the demographic is changing in a certain way, lots of older people or lots of younger people, it's going to change the mix uh, in the area. It's going to change the um, the profile of people who'd be looking for property in the area as well. So look at trends. Um, trend spotting is pretty good, actually, because that this is the thing that can really help you to future-proof your investment. So in addition to the fundamentals themselves, as they are today, also look at the trends, look at the historic trends, and look, try and get a handle on the future trends as well. The next area is really consider under the consideration of area, <laughs> is uh, house prices and affordability. Now, there's no point picking an area and say, I want to invest in London. Um, well, actually, in some parts of London, you know, you'd be upwards of a million pounds on a property. So uh, is that affordable? <laughs> Bearing in mind, you might need something like 25% deposit plus a bunch of stamp duty. And by the way, on a million pound property, that's going to be a fair old chunk um, of, of, of cash to, to put into the deal. So is it actually affordable? And indeed, what then would be the rental values and the yields and the overall returns of that property? So um, it's all very well trying to get into high ticket areas where, you know, there's really strong fundamentals in central London, but it's not necessarily an accessible market for everybody. And what you will find is that yields generally are very, very low. So in that location. So if you're looking for income, then maybe London's not the place for you. Um, if you've got limited entry budget, maybe London's not the place for you. And so you need to look further afield. And then you can start to see how these things start to trade off. <laughs> so, you know, proximity trades off with affordability, trades off with fundamentals, for example.
And of course, if you're thinking about um, uh, flipping rather than renting uh, your property out, then you'd be looking at you know house prices, house price growth. Well, not so much much growth because you'd be in the flip project for you know maybe six and six to twelve months that type of window, so uh, fairly short term. But you will be looking for um, some of the characteristics in the local area. And uh, one of the characteristics I, I tend to look, uh, ask people to look out for, suggest rather people look out for, is average time on the market, average time on the market to sell a property, average time on the market to rent a property. And that give you a bit of an indication of the um, turnover in the area, the relative competitiveness of that particular area. You know, supply and demand, it's another clue to supply and demand as well. So... Did I mention supply and demand? I should have done <laughs> if I didn't. Definitely should have mentioned supply and demand in terms of investment fundamentals. And then the fourth category really in terms of area is what I'm calling desirability factors. Uh, do people want to live in that area? And, and the things that might encourage them to live in that area, is there work for them to do? Are there local services or amenities, uh, leisure facilities for them to enjoy? Uh, is it close to places of interest, whether that's somewhere to work or somewhere to um, go out for the day, um, transport hubs, attractions, etc.? What's the crime rate like in the local area? And what kind of crime? There is crime everywhere, pretty much. Uh, so you're looking at uh, what the, the uh, severity of the crime and also the frequency of the crime. And there's some decent crime stats you can get out as well. You might want to consider the economic health or relative deprivation of the area uh, to determine how desirable it is. And turning down a little bit there, that you might want to look at individual neighborhoods because not all, all parts of town are the same. So it might be worth looking at different neighborhoods, um, which side of the tracks are you on could make quite a lot of difference. And various environmental factors as well. I was chatting the other day, I was just went for uh, lunch over the, over the weekend and we're chatting about an area that we knew and um, it was notorious for when the wind's blowing the wrong direction, you can smell the waste disposal plant over the motorway. Yeah, <laughs> drifting into that particular location. So um, perhaps if you did a viewing on that property and the wind was blowing the opposite direction, you wouldn't have noticed that. <laughs> but so it's worth you know checking out these things, you know, waste disposal plants, refuse recycling, um, those sort of things, you know, which are perhaps going to put certain people off. And of course, this is harder if you don't know the area so well. So that's another reason why proximity to where you work, live, or have existing connections comes into play. And then you've got other things like how, e how easy or convenient is it going to be to us as investors and developers? And that inevitably causes us to look at things like uh, the local uh, planning and licensing uh, rules and guidelines and any restrictions that may be placed on us from a, um, a development point of view, such as Article 4 or conservation area. Um, or those sorts of things. So they're the main things to look at when it comes to area search. And, you know, it's, it's a constant dilemma. There's, I think, I can't remember the exact number, I think it's about 200 large towns and cities in the UK, large being probably above, I don't know, 75,000 in terms of the local population uh, of an area. So there's quite a lot to choose from. Um, and therefore, actually, that's good news because there's quite a lot to choose from. So I think I was, uh, my wife is from Brazil. And she often comments that she's amazed that you can go from town to town to town in the UK and have infrastructure and, you know, um, services in every single area. Whereas, for example, in her home country of Brazil, you find that in the major cities. But as you start to get out to the sort of smaller cities, towns and local uh, conurbations, as it were, 
there's not so much available and the roads are pretty rubbish and you know there's got cables hanging off uh, lampposts and stuff like that so it's um you know we, we do take it for granted a little bit actually in the uk but uh, these things are important so that was area so the next thing to consider is the property itself so um, now in terms of research and um, analysis, what we want to do is just check out a few elements. So the first thing is really the general condition. What's the general condition of the property? Um, <clears throat> does it need uh, a so-called liquor paint or a complete refurbishment? So what kind of work might it need doing? Is it ready to let, pretty much? Does it need a refurbishment or would it benefit from some kind of uh, you know, greater scale development? We can assess the condition of... Um, you know, the, the sort of the main components of the property. So that would be the electric, the plumbing and the heating, the windows and the doors, the roof and the guttering. Um, those are, the, you know, these are the things that kind of, they're the functioning parts of the property. Um, what condition are they in? Because everything has a useful life and will need to be repaired and ultimately replaced. So it's good to get an idea of their condition because otherwise you could get caught out with quite an expensive refurbishment uh, or replacement bill. Um, if these things start to go wrong and need to be replaced. And similarly, we should look at the structure of the building itself. So these are the internals or the the, uh, the kind of moving parts, really, or the replaceable parts. But we should look at the structure, the bricks and the mortar itself. Are there any signs of any any cracks? What is the roof condition looking like? Does any, any additional work need to be done? Um, would it be advisable to get a full survey undertaken? Um, particularly if there's something unusual, like uh, alternative materials that are being used, for example, um, evidence of subsidence, um, strange-looking plants in the garden, <laughs> those sorts of things. So, um, you know, so full survey might not identify that, but um, if there's any issues that you know have identified as you walk in, or, you know, there's a smell of damp, for example, it's worth getting uh, maybe a specialist damp survey undertaken, so that we know that we're getting a very sound property investment. Then we look at the, the layout uh, of the of the property. How is it organized? Is it optimized for best value? Could we add a bedroom? Perhaps um, could we relocate the, the, the downstairs bathroom to put it upstairs? That's often the case in a lot of Victorian properties. That's one common refurbishment. But then the challenge is if you put it upstairs, do you lose a bedroom upstairs? So it's a classic dilemma. <laughs> lose the bathroom downstairs to extend out the kitchen, put the bathroom upstairs and you lose that sort of small possibly third, even sometimes second bedroom as a result. Is there an opportunity to extend or to develop or even change the use of the property, um, whether it's now, whether it's in the future? And then we need to consider the outside and the outbuildings, you know, look at the garden, the garage, the parking, the local street scene, as it were. Um, consider things like the sheds and the outhouses, um, as well. So these are all things that we should take into consideration and work out if there's any additional cost and expense or maintenance that's required. Then we've got things that people don't always consider, particularly uh, broadband. And it's very common these days that people are reliant on fast, fast broadband speeds and um, it's very important for them sometimes, especially in these days where people are working from home and doing Zoom calls and things like that. And um, we need to check on things like broadband speeds. But equally, don't overlook utilities. And this is something I bought a property once and I didn't really pay that much attention to, you know, the utilities. I just thought, uh, everybody's got gas and electric and water, haven't they? Haven't they? No, 
Not everybody does have gas, electric, and uh, and when I say water, I'm really talking about waste disposal. So I bought properties which have got um, uh, oil uh, he- heating. There's no gas supply. And so you have to go and get an oil, um, you fill an oil tank up now and again, and then burn that oil and then do the same thing again. Sometimes it could be liquid petroleum gas instead, if uh, these more remote locations. And waste or connections to waste services is another thing that could that could actually be, um, you know, waste into the gardens, so to speak, rather than mains connection. I'm losing my, my, my thinking, I can't think of the terminology right now, but, you know, it's um, not not connected to the waste disposal. Um, is something there to also consider. So the utilities side of things. And I think the other thing to consider is the ability to undertake work on site. Oh, going back to utilities. Sorry, just going back to that. If you happen to be doing a, like a new build development, then you know how can you get the local utility connection to your property? Um, it's not necessarily as easy as you might think. Uh, one is the capacity. Two, how far away is it? And three, what will it cost you to actually install those uh, utilities? Uh, onto your uh, property or your site. Sorry, I was going on to say that the ability to undertake work on site is also relevant. Um, think about things like access, uh, availability of local tradespeople, and indeed uh, local support from uh, letting estate agents. Um, because you know, in smaller locations, these things are not necessarily so prevalent. And just to highlight the point about access, I bought a, a property which is. Um, it's in a, in a sort of fairly central in the town. Uh, it doesn't have its own drive uh, or dedicated parking, and it's in a 20-minute um, parking zone. So <clears throat> that's not necessarily great for the tenants, but it's uh, certainly not very attractive to the tradespeople, and they notice these things because they want somewhere to park their van uh, where they can just get in and out and get the tools, leave it all day, etc. So they probably have to park it away, which makes them less inclined to want to come and work on our property. So they're some of the key considerations from a research and analysis point of view as regards the property. And then the third category really is um, suppliers and business partners. So the people we need around us really to ensure that our property um, is either rented or sold in the most uh, optimised way, or indeed if there's any work undertaken, um, it's done that way too. So I'm talking here primarily about agents and brokers, builders and trades, and professionals and advisors. And if you haven't heard it already, I'm going to repeat it now, but the key phrase is trust but verify. Or as uh, as has been spoken about in previous panel discussions, um, it's not trust but verify, but suspect and still verify. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but uh, just, just check things out, check people out. So in terms of doing research and analysis on those sort of people, what can we do? Well, the most obvious thing is referral and recommendation, of course. So Make sure the person referring or recommending is someone you trust yourself. <laughs> That's the first thing to say. Um, so, but you can go and refer on a recommendation. Uh, perhaps someone who's done a, you know work with that particular party in the past um, can refer you to other people. Can refer them to other people, and just do do still do do still do your checks. However, uh, you ask for um, perhaps references from existing or recent customers. Um, try to speak to them, and you get different insight. And check out the review sites um, as well. Bearing in mind, you know, reviews can be, you know, a little bit suspect at times. Either way, if they're glowing, it could be overly uh, inflated. And if they're really harsh, well, maybe there's some somebody out to get them. But um, who knows? Uh, and Google's your friend. So um, do a Google search on any individual company that you 
thinking of doing business with. And don't forget to do a search on fellow uh, directors and business partners to you know, pick up the sort of reputational elements of everybody that's involved in the organization that you're potentially going to engage with. I suggest you do uh, a Google search and put the company name or the individual's name and then put the word scam uh, or put the word review uh, or put the both words scam and review and just see what pops up in the search terms. But make sure you, you know, just have a look beyond the first page. Don't just stick with the first page. It goes, you know, at least three, maybe five pages in. Um, because some people who have got a bad reputation are pretty good at, you know, creating news about them to kind of bury that uh, bad news, as it were, sort of five, six, seven pages deep. Well, maybe not five, six, seven, but, you know, certainly a few pages deep. So uh, do, don't just uh, look at the first page and look at all the glowing uh, reports and reviews. Uh, dig a bit deeper. And you can use services like judil.com. You can even look on Companies House for free information. Um, and you can see the company's current trading position. Sometimes you can, you can see their credit information. You can see what a, a other companies people are um, officers of or associated with sometimes, uh, other directorships, for example. <clears throat> and especially look out for patterns of corporate failure. Um, corporate failure, the, you know, there could be literal insolvency. But other types of corporate failure, which are a little bit more subtle, our um, companies have been struck off, but they've got no uh, financial records. So that's quite a neat little trick, actually, to uh, tr set up a company, trade for, pff, I don't know, about 18 months or something, maybe two years at a push, get yourself struck off without filing any accounts. And no one's any the wiser about what on earth happened in that period of time. So watch out for that. Uh, patterns of corporate uh, failure. And then check on property forums. Uh, property Tribes actually has got a really good um, section, which is reserved for, um, I'm trying to think what they call it now, but basically it's a, it's a kind of a rogue's corner. <laughs> so you can kind of just go into Property Tribes and do a bit of a search on people that you're perhaps thinking of engaging with. And, you know, you might see them pop up on Property Tribes, rogue's corner. It's not called that, but that's my name for it. And, um, and that will give you some insights there. And, um, yeah, look for, you know, good and bad news. Bear in mind, you know, not ever, you can't please all of the people all the time. So, you know, just with, as with reviews, you, you might get the odd bad review. I've got a bad review for one of my books, for example. And, you know, I've got lots of good ones, but I've got one bad one. But does that one bad one mean it's a bad book? No, it doesn't. So, uh, same with, you know, people, frankly. Uh, some people clash. Um, some people perhaps made a mistake. Um, and I think, you know, it's sometimes worth digging into situations where there's negative press or reviews sometimes, not always, sometimes, and, uh, and do that. So, and, and you know, the, it's nothing's really um, as necessary as it seems these days, and everything is as reliable as its source. So do you know and trust the source <laughs> of where you're finding information? Um, or do you do you need to look, dig a bit deeper and find out and search out people who can help you uh, to undertake these sort of checks? Um, do meet people face to face and ideally at their own premises uh, or even on sites that they're working on uh, to verify who they are and uh, you know check out the way that they're organised and how they present their place of work or their vehicle or things like that. You know because people tend to you know how they do something is how they do everything type of thing. So it's worth uh, checking those things um, as well. And, um, you know, you can consider doing something like a mystery shopper exercise, if you like. Um, for example, if you're thinking of using a letting agent, you could pose as a tenant and just see what the experience is like uh, that way around. 
and, and, and how do they treat prospective landlords and tenants? So I think going back to the professionals and, and in, fact, in fact, builders um, as well, builders, tradespeople, professionals, if they're a member of a trade body or an industry body or a professional body, you can usually check their membership credentials on the appropriate site and do that. Go to the site, check them out, perhaps call them up and just check that they are in fact a member. Um, it has been known that the odd person has made claim that they are a member of a certain body and uh, not necessarily. So check them out. And that's what suggests you do. The same way, you know, all, all professionals should be a member of a trade body or their professional institute or something like that. Uh, they're governed by somebody sometimes as well. So you can check these things out. So there we go. It's um, kind of short and sweet today. I th may have missed a few things. Hopefully not. Um, but hopefully it's giving you something to go on. I didn't want to make this too heavy in terms of stats and whatnot. You can add things like KPI measures, key performance indicators to uh, some of the analysis that you're looking at. There's various resources that you could um, utilize to do some of this search and, uh, and well, research and analysis. But um, a lot of that's actually available in, uh, my, in my book, The Property Investor Toolkit. And there's some links there about various places you can go to undertake research. But it's more about the general principles is what I'm covering off today. So I'm going to leave it there and signpost you now if you would like to see the show notes to the propertyvoice.net website. Uh, they'll be over there. And indeed, if you want to talk to me about anything from today's episode or uh, any, anything to do with property or skills, anything to do with property whatsoever, you know you can always reach me, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net. I'd be very happy to hear from you. Um, but otherwise, I guess all that remains to be said is thank you once again for listening to the Property Voice podcast this week. And until next time, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.